have your Bibles once more and turn them to 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 to 15. But we're mostly focusing on the sermon on verses 12 to 15. We will read from verse 1. So 2 Peter chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of our God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which you have been given by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love." For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you, uh, remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that, as you, that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. This is the word of the Lord, and would you join me as we pray to seek God's help in discerning the truth of his word here. Lord God, we thank you for the way in which we can read your word. We thank you that it is written for us in plain words, words that we can read, words that we can know the meanings of. Yet we know that there is more here than just what we might read on the surface. This isn't a uh, a, a fictional story, this is eternal truths for how we are to live before you as your people. We pray that your spirit might make known to us those deep spiritual truths that we need to apply to our lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as I said before, it really is very good to be back with you this morning. Uh, I was particularly noting the singing We loved hearing the the singing here, and it was something that we did miss over the last few weeks. Now, as we get into this this morning, I've titled the sermon Regular Reminders, and at three points, we're going to be looking at, one, there's a reminder, secondly, the goodness of reminding, and thirdly, and the third point will be brief, so if you're getting hungry at that point in time, it won't be long, the need to remind. So as we start off, let's uh, look at this first point of looking at the reminder that Peter, Peter lays out to his audience here, to the readers of this letter. 
Now, as we make a start this morning, I'm going to say right from the beginning that this is the last week that we're going to have a a sustained uh, emphasis on referring back to the qualities of a Christian in verses 5 to 7, those qualities which uh, we are to supplement our faith with. Now, in verses 1 to 7 of 2 Peter, we saw the motivation for these qualities and to, to keep adding these qualities, to keep growing these qualities in our life. And the motivation for that is to keep doing it knowing that we are secure in Christ. God is calling all people who have been saved into his his majestic glory and his divine presence. Our call has been confirmed. Our call has been cemented into place by the irrevocable works that our God has done. And then in verses 8 to 11 of this chapter, the last section we looked at before I I nicked off for a few weeks, we we saw the seriousness of not having these qualities. We we saw what it was to to neglect these things, to to fall into spiritual short-sightedness and spiritual blindness as we looked at that, that topic of sort of myopic malaise. Now, after today, we'll have taken three weeks just to cover 15 verses. I want to say that I'm not taking three weeks to cover 15 verses to see how patient you are and how far I can push that patience. We're doing this because what's written here are very foundational and fundamental things for the audience Peter's writing to. And there are things that they face that were not just unique to them. We get to chapter 2. And there's a whole heap of things there. You read the subheadings there, destructive doctrines, doom of false teachers, depravity of false teachers, deceptions of false teachers. There are some very, very weighty matters there that Christians are to avoid. And that's not unique to the people that Peter was writing to there. They absolutely dealt with it, but we do too. We, like Peter's first audience, need to be grounded in these things that Peter begins a letter with. He begins them as a reason, as a counterpoint to those destructive false teachers he addresses in chapter 2. So getting more into the text, I'm going to start off by talking about Cameron Smith. Some of you might know Cameron Smith is the former captain of the Queensland and Australian Rugby League teams. Now he retired from representative football around 2017-2018. When he retired from representative football, what was very surprising was what many of the guys who had played at elite representative levels with him had to say about him as a leader. In one, uh, one interview, uh, the, a player referred back to the deciding game of the 2015 State of Origin series, that life or death situation of Queensland and New South Wales kicking a football around, very serious stuff. But it is taken seriously. It's one of the pinnacles of rugby league. Now, one of the players in this interview said that Queensland had won the first two games. They were winning the third game. There were five or ten minutes left on the clock. It's an 80-minute game. Not Not even an hour and a half, really. It's not that long. But the focus was starting to slip. Cameron Smith pulled the guys together told them what they were representing, reminded them what was on the line, reminded them what a privilege it was to play football for Queensland, to remind them to keep 
The foot to the pedal to keep going. There's not long left. This matters to people. Keep going. Now, these are professional footballers. You might argue they've had more head knocks and maybe need more reminders than we do. But the point is, you'd think that a professional footballer, which might be an oxymoron, but a professional footballer, one who has played to pay football, would know what they are doing for the duration of the game. But even in the ebb and flow of a game, even one that goes for 80 minutes, they can sometimes lose track of what's the, the bigger picture. And if that's the case with football players, even played at the highest levels, and it's a game, it's a short game, they need to be reminded... It goes without saying, we sometimes need to be reminded too. We can lose track of things. We can get distracted by things. And we need to be reminded of what really matters. Because our lives are going to be longer than a football game. It's important to be reminded. So as we look at this next part of chapter 2, of 2 Peter, uh, particularly verses 12 to 15... I also want to say something from the outset that getting, from early on, getting, getting temporarily distracted from the grounding that we have in Christ does not automatically mean that we have lost our salvation. It does not automatically mean that we are outside of Christ. It means that we still have work to do, but it doesn't mean we have lost our salvation. And this is a concept that Peter conveyed to his audience in verse 12. He says there that he's going to keep reminding him of these qualities, which might sound like nagging, but as with the children's talk, be reminded of things that are helpful is a loving, kind, gracious thing to do. It's for their spiritual God, the spiritual good. And he goes, I'm going to keep reminding you of these things. And then he goes on to say, even though you know these things and you're established in this present truth. From the start of 2 Peter, Peter has been writing to people in a a very kind and caring way. He's not speaking down to these people, but he's writing to them in a way that provides them with encouragement. Now, when we look at verse 12, perhaps it's easy to, to look at that and just go, what a warm and fuzzy piece of writing that is. What a lovely man Peter is, writing so gently to people who are struggling. What a top bloke. And know what? That is there. That is there. There is a real warmth to Peter's reminder here. But it's not just about the warm fuzzies. Peter's not just writing this to give his audience some, some nice vibes, some nice things to think about so they can sleep better at night. He didn't write this so they could think, hey, we've been established in the present truth that we are Christ, that we are Christ forever, so we can do whatever we want and throw caution to the wind. We can listen to whatever teacher rocks into town. Again, chapter 2 confronts that. Peter's writing this to the people to help them. Consider the Bereans. Paul commended them because they continued to search Scripture. They examined those things that they were taught against Scripture. Even those things that an apostle taught them, they examined against Scripture we should be examining things against Scripture. Peter wants people to grow, to assume that you're okay. Just because you have been established can lead to stagnation. In the Christian life, very often stagnation doesn't lead to just staying at the same level. It leads to 
a decline. Peter at the start and end of this letter talks about growing. Growing in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. He wants people to keep going. To keep growing. They were established in the truth that they are Christ's forever. They were established in the truth that they did belong to God. But these are people who, just like us, need to be reminded to keep pressing on, to keep working on their faith. Now, one of the verses we touched on very briefly last time I was preaching on this was in verse 10. In verse 10, Peter says that, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. The calling and the election part of that is entirely up to God and he has done it and praise God for that. But the diligence here, as the commentators dive into this, come to a point about this thing, it's knowing, not thinking, but knowing in our minds that we are God's forever. Verse 10 and then when we get to verse 12, work together. They work together because Peter's talking about a reminder that our faith needs to be active. That we must be diligent in our faith. That to go back to those verses in 5 to 7, particularly verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, all those things we talk about there. Our faith must be active. It is so easy to fall into inactivity in our faith. Our faith needs to to be more than just something that we forget we have. Our faith for the Christian is to to be the driving force behind everything in our lives where everything we do is put into that into motion from that foundational building block of faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. The idea of being diligent in confirming our calling and election as we can understand from the text is about knowing that we are God. And flowing out of that we have the idea that we are we are to represent him for the entirety of our lives no matter how long or how short that is. What Peter says here is really, really important. It's a short verse. It's an easy to read verse. But he's hammering home those truths he's hit from verses 1, 3 to 11. If we see the warmth here, that's wonderful, but there is more to this than just warmth and kindness. Again, this letter is written as a call to Christians to grow in the Lord. A call that we we should be responding to for the sake of our spiritual health. Now again, forecasting again into chapter 2. The reason Peter writes so strongly against false teachers there is that it seems that these people he's writing to may not have always been as diligent as they should have been. 
Perhaps they'd not always been putting in the hard yards to add those qualities to their faith, to supplement their faith with those wonderful things, to confirm their call and election. Maybe they had assumed upon their relationship with the Lord and were beginning on a downward trend that needed to be stopped, stopped and turned around. Quite likely why Peter writes such a, a clear reminder for them here after such a clear first 11 verses. And if we think about ourselves, maybe we find ourselves in a similar situation. Maybe we've stopped our devotions. Or maybe, maybe we still do our devotions, but just a little bit less regularly because other things are taking priority. That might not sound like a big issue. It might not sound like a big thing. But it's through our reading of the Word of God that we see the character and work of God. And the better we realise these qualities, the better we live for Him. The less we realise these qualities, how can we live for Him as effectively as we could? It doesn't make sense. So Peter reminds us of the qualities that we need. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection and love. These need to be growing, they need to be increasing that our faith might likewise be increased by the grace of God. Like the football players who needed the reminder of what they're representing, sometimes we need that too. We sometimes need a reminder of what our lives are meant to look like. It is vital that these qualities are present in our life and growing for our sake, as well as for the sake of God's name, who we say that we are representing. As we see in verses 8 to 11, if we don't have these qualities, and if these qualities are not growing, then we're becoming spiritually blind, something which we should be trying to avoid at all costs. We should have a desire stirred up in us to see the truth of God more and more as we look forward to, to seeing in full the majestic glory of his presence he's calling us to. Peter reminds his audience of this. We do need these reminders. If you're finding that you don't have these reminders... Find somebody to meet up with. If you're a lady in the church, meet with another lady in the church or a group of ladies in the church. If you're a fellow, meet with another fellow or a group of fellows. Work towards reminding each other that we might have these things because as we consider the witness that we have, not only as individuals but also as a church, if we don't have these qualities, we are not going to be the best representatives of Christ that we could be. Invert the qualities of verses 5 to 7. What you end up with is immorality, ignorance, little to no control over your impulses, flakiness, godlessness, disagreeability and hatred. In no way is that even a half-decent or even 
It's just bad. And if this is what our lives look like, then we are not representing Christ well or representing Christ at all. For this very reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, is what Peter says. He says that for a very good reason. Possession about these qualities is not just about our spiritual well-being. It's also about reflecting in our lives the true and glorious nature of our eternal God. Rather than bringing dishonor upon him because of our stubborn willfulness to turn away from these things, actively remember and practice the things that Peter has spoken about. So there is a clear reminder that Peter gives here in verse 12. We also see there's a goodness to this reminder. There's a real goodness to it. Now, in a lot of ways, we've already begun to see the goodness of what Peter's reminding his audience of, encouraging them to have those qualities, encouraging them to to keep their, their, their spiritual eyes open and on God, on his glory and on his promises, to live for him, to reflect him well, to represent him well to a watching world, to reflect the nature and truth about the, the truth giver, which is central tenets of the Christian life. Then we go to verses 13 and 14. And there's still more we can draw out from the text as we go through this. But as you read those verses, I think, I'll read them here. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. I think verse 14 might stand out a little bit there in the, uh, the perhaps abruptness of it. All of a sudden, this apostle, this disciple, this one who saw the transfiguration of Christ as one of only three people to see that, suddenly drops his bomb on the church, I'm not going to be with you forever. In fact, shortly, I'm not going to be with you. It's a startling thing to read there. We get the urgency of Peter's reminder here because he wants to make the most of his time. Peter's being really upfront with his life expectancy here. And while Peter knows that he is going to be in the majestic presence of the Lord, he also knows that putting off his body, the tent, it's going to happen soon. Maybe as Peter is writing this, he is awaiting his own crucifixion. Which, as you might recall from church history, was upside down. He didn't want to be crucified with his head towards the sky because if that was how Christ was crucified, that's too good for him. Incredibly horrific death. Maybe it was just before Peter was arrested, but he had an idea that the authorities were closing in around him. Maybe he had some sickness. We don't know, but whatever happened here, Peter knows that he does not have long this side of heaven. Yet he is good in reminding them. See, when he talks about in verse 13, he's saying this, as long as he's in his tent to stir you up by way of reminding you. 
I think we often misconstrue what it is to stir someone up. I think we, we call people a stirrer and they keep having digs at someone else. I may or not have been accused of that a few times in my life. We see these things, but this is a wonderful stirring up that Peter does. This is not to aggravate. This is not to promote conflict. This is not to promote a sharp response to something witty that he can say. This is Peter stirring people up in the Lord. This is not aggravation for the sake of it. That would contradict so much of this letter. He is writing in the hope that by reminding them of what they should be doing, the Spirit will convict them of these things. You see here his love and his care. I don't have long left. If someone asks you what you're going to do if you found out you didn't have long left to live, have you heard the answers that people give? It's all about their wants, their desires, perhaps spending time with their family, going away from everybody else and just enjoying those things that God has given you. But Peter's desire here is to see the church grow, to remind the church of things they need to be reminded of because they are facing difficulties, because we will face difficulties, because we will face false teachers, we will face persecutions of different sorts, we will face people, whether it's in our families or work or across the fence or wherever it might be, that ridicule us for our faith in Christ. We will face these things. So what Peter does is he faithfully stewards that role that God has given him. He faithfully stewards the word that God has given him and he reminds Christians to live for Christ. This is how he is spending his last time on earth. Shortly he will be putting off his tent. Shortly he will be in the glorious presence of the Lord. But while he is still here, he is going to stir the church up by way of reminding them of what really matters. This does not mean that persecution doesn't matter. This does not mean that the threat of false teachers is negligible. But what matters most is God. What matters most is living for God's glory. This is the goodness of the reminder that Peter gave. He is using whatever time he had left to stir believers up to living holy lives pleasant before the sight of God. And we should do likewise. This is why this reminder, as basic as it might seem, has such goodness and is such a wonderful model for us. And finally, I've said this a few times, but there is a need for us to be reminded. And we see that in verse 15. Again, we see Peter talking about his death. The last word we read there in the New King James Version is decease. He, he, he knows that it's not, he's not talking ambiguously about what's going to happen. He actually is aware that his death is imminent. Now, Peter's just reminded them in verses 12 to 14 of the things he's already said. He's reminded them by writing the things in verses 1 to 11. Verses 12 to 14, he's reminded them again of the things he's reminded them of in verses 1 to 11. Surely he's done enough to remind the people, but no, there is a continued need to be reminded. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure 
that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. He will ensure that they always have a reminder of these things after his death. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. We read there the Great Commission. That we are to go and baptise and make disciples from all nations. In Peter's other letter in Scripture, he tells us that every Christian is part of a royal priesthood. We are all part of that great commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And just as an aside, the verb in Matthew 28 is not the going, it's the making disciples. That's the more active part of it, to make disciples. If we are making disciples, we are teaching them the word of God. We are reminding people of the word of God. See, what Peter does here in saying, I'm going to have people there who can keep reminding you of these things. This is something we should be part of. Are we reminding people of the wonderful truths of God? Are we reminding them of God's grace? Are we reminding people of salvation found in Jesus Christ alone? Are we reminding people of what it is to live holy lives, to love the law of God, to keep his precepts and his commandments? As much as we might feel put out by that, do we actually promote that? Do we encourage people about these things? This is what it is to remind people. We know from Peter's life that this... Reminder of Jesus and what it meant to live for him was not just a deathbed thing. It wasn't something that he'd put off and put off and put off. It wasn't as if he had a list of people he was one day going to talk to and, oh, because I'm about to die, now I should take the opportunity to talk to people about these things. This was something he had committed himself to and as an apostle committing himself to this, he modelled for us the need for us to commit to doing the same. To not say, no, I'll I'll talk to that person about Jesus another time. I'll talk to that person about how how God could really meet that desperate need in their life some other time because I'm uncomfortable or it's inconvenient or whatever it might be right now. It's to take those opportunities. Now, we aren't going to do this perfectly. I have let opportunities slip to share the gospel or encourage a brother or sister in the Lord. I've let those opportunities slip by. I'm sure we all have. But there is a challenge laid before us here. Again, Peter knew he didn't have a lot of time. For us, we we may assume that we have lots of time to, to stir up reminders in one another. But we don't know how long we have left. So live as reminders of the work that God has done. We have been established in the present amazing truths of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. 
as we grow together in him by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, let's continually, continually remind each other of those truths and the qualities that are the result of salvation, which is that eternal, wonderful gift of God. It's not always the most natural thing for us to do. But it is a wonderful and blessed thing to do. It is a joy to tell others about God. Because in telling others about God, we also remind ourselves about God. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. What we see here, what we see here is in many ways two-pronged. There is the need, it's not optional, the need to pay attention to the reminders Peter writes to us about. And the second one is the need to be a reminder to others of these things that Peter writes about. These are ways through which we glorify our Heavenly Father. And if we are glorifying our Heavenly Father through doing these things, and that's time well spent. Because what's our chief end? What's our main purpose in life? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Peter's honesty as he approached death. We thank you for Peter's attitude as he approached death. We thank you for Peter's care for the church as he approached death. Lord God, you know that the, the, the number of days that we have allotted to us, but we don't. We pray, O oh God, that whether we are aware that we have long or short left to live, that we might adopt Peter's attitude here that we might work for your glory, that we, might, that we might take these reminders of the work that you have done and of the work that we are to do and to ourselves serve you by reminding others of these wonderful, amazing, soul-saving truths. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.